Hey there, friends of Holy Shenanigans Podcast. I'm thrilled to share that I'll be recording live from the Wild Goose Festival this July 11 through 14. Wild Goose Festival is a transformational community grounded in faith-inspired social justice. It's a one-of-a-kind gathering that brings together activists, artists, and seekers from all walks of life to explore justice and art, spirituality, and community. The festival will take place at Van Hoy Farms in Union Grove, North Carolina, and I'd love for you to join me there. From engaging workshops to inspired panels and interactive experiences, Wild Goose has something for everyone. So mark your calendars and let's be part of this incredible community that is committed to making a positive impact in the world. For more information, visit www. WildGooseFestival.org. As one of my followers, use a discount code A-TLE24. That's A-TLE24. And you'll get $50 off the price of an adult weekend ticket. We will see you there at the Wild Goose Festival to connect, to build community, and to work for social justice. Tara here. In Benedictine Sister Joan Chittister's exposition of the rule of Benedict, she writes, Every life needs points along the way that enable us to rise above the petty points and overwhelming tragedy and begin again, full of confidence, not because we know ourselves to be faithful, but because God is. These are stories to surprise, encourage, redirect, and sometimes turn life upside down, all in the name of love. I'm your muse, Tara Lamont Eastman, a creative, a feminist, and a pastor. I invite you to join me on the unpredictable spiritual adventure that is always sacred, but never stuffy. Today's episode is called Halloween, a werewolf? silver bullet of love. This week's Bible story is one that calls and challenges me deeply. In light of a text that captures what it means to live as a Christian, and please hear Jesus follower when I say Christian, this week's lesson holds what it means for me in a beautiful and simple and challenging way. When Jesus is asked what the great commandment is by the religious leaders of the day, Um, Note that the whole account of this conversation with Jesus is found in Matthew 22, verses 34 through 46. Jesus says this, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. When I think about Christian ideas, Jesus' words seem like the basics, don't they? Living these basic things, though, is not easy. But the concept of loving God, loving people, and loving ourselves seems like a logical place to begin when it comes to faith, doesn't it? 
But living it out, I think, is a lesson that lived out is a challenge of a lifetime and beyond. This great commandment helps to center my own understanding of what Jesus is all about, and it is an ongoing struggle to attempt to continue that practice in following Jesus. And while you've heard me speak of grace and forgiveness in the past, this great commandment of Jesus brings me to a personal story about grief and forgiveness, about loving God, loving neighbor, and loving self. And this story sounds unreal, but I promise it is a real-life experience of the holy shenanigans of the Holy Spirit. I call this story Halloween, a werewolf, and the silver bullet of love. I grew up in a rural community. It was so rural that I lived on top of a hill that was four miles away from a one stoplight town. Even as a sixth or seventh grader, when I would go trick-or-treating, my mom would have to take us house to house by car because the houses were so far apart. So my mom would park along that dirt road, and when we would go to the different houses, they would be, in most cases, the homes where the kids of the school bus I rode, their parents. And I'll say more about the kids and the school bus a little bit later. So I'd walk up the long drive to the house, and one house in particular had two older boys from the bus living there. And like I said, it was probably sixth or seventh grade, and I was approaching the end of my career in this fun of trick-or-treat. But it was Halloween. Chocolate was at stake, and I was committed to filling up my orange plastic pumpkin, thank you. So I put on a brave Halloween face and walked up that long driveway and knocked on the door. The porch of this house was lit with glowing jack-o'-lanterns accompanied by a spooky scarecrow, stuffed with hay. I gingerly approached the door and knocked. I waited for the bearer of candy to approach. I think I said a customary trick-or-treat. And out of the corner of my eye, I thought I saw the scarecrow move. But I dismissed it as someone came to the door wearing a werewolf mask and tossed me a handful of candy. Suddenly, I heard a loud trick coming from the scarecrow's direction, and all was a blur. The scarecrow stood up and started lumbering in my direction. I took off arms flailing, candy flying, and me yelling in fear all the way to my mom waiting in the car. I think I said they scared me. There was a werewolf and a scarecrow. It was the embarrassing end of my career in trick-or-treating. The next year, I vowed I'd move up to giving out candy to kids in a way that was more focused on treats than tricks. Also, I'd like to avoid any more embarrassment with scarecrows and werewolves. So as I promised, here's a little bit more about the would-be werewolf or scarecrow. It turns out they were boys I rode the school bus with. Boys that I probably then would have called bullies. But years later, I can say it was probably misplaced bravado. But in the moment of being a young woman on a school bus with young men who channeled their frustrations through Halloween pranks, blaring at the highway to hell from the back of the school bus, and demanding that I shove over 
when they needed a seat. All this was a little bit more than intimidating. A long hour in the morning and a long hour at the end of the school day. This was not an easy or comfortable experience. A difficult personal note here. My older sister, Heather, was my school bus buddy for many of those years, and her presence made that commute feel safer for me. But in the summer of her 15th year, she passed away from a congenital heart defect, which she had struggled with since she was a tot. While I was the younger sister, I took the role of her protector because I was the strong one. After her death, I realized how much strength she quietly gave me on those bus rides and more. The boy's demands to shove over and give up her seat was hard when my sister was living. But after her passing, it was too much to bear. Still, I had to ride that bus. And somehow I found a way. I sat closer to the front of the bus and talked to the bus driver and the little kids that sat there. I buried my fear and grief in the pages of Stephen King novels as I read my way through middle school and high school every morning and every afternoon on Y14. And here is the unbelievable continuation of holy shenanigans concerning my difficult times with those who I used to call the bullies of Y14. Fast forward to the fall of 2014, approximately 26 years after the Halloween fright of a scarecrow, a werewolf, and being told to shove over to make room for a boy I didn't want to sit with. I walked into a special intensive class called Clinical Pastoral Education, or CPE for short. This class is an essential part of the process for pastors to reach the goal of becoming ordained pastors, like I did in the ELCA. This class is to help pastors to work through their personal issues, their hurts, and their burdens so that when they become pastors, that stuff is less likely to get in the way of caring for the spiritual needs of others. So I walk into this space of CPE, ready to get real with my stuff, to walk in the door and meet eye to eye with the werewolf of Y14. The boy I once called a bully was in a class for pastors to be to deal with their stuff. I can't make this up. This was the reality of my past, his past, and the holy shenanigans of the spirit breaking into the pain, the grief of time I tried to forget, but I hadn't. I looked him in the eye and said the most direct thing of my life. Why for teen? and I didn't move. In front of the class, the teacher and this man used to be boy of bravado, sometimes werewolf. I stood there waiting to see what would happen. The used to be werewolf of Y14, his eyes filled with tears, his shoulders shook. He began to weep. He talked, he wept some more, he apologized. I listened and I learned some of the whys of why there had been a werewolf on Y14. And I wept too. Somehow in CPE, we began to live in a miracle of forgiveness that was not of our own doing. We soaked it all up. Our fear and our hurt began to melt. The werewolf and the wounded warrior 
laid down their weapons, and started over. So, some questions concerning this incredible story. Is it possible for love to help us come to forgiveness? Have you ever had the experience of forgiveness setting you free from an old burden? How did it happen? What did you learn? This week's poem, Halloween, A Werewolf, and The Silver Bullet of Love. I would have called you a liar if you said that we could become friends. I held on to that pain and fear because I thought it proved my strength. But it turns out pain and fear are not good company for the long haul. Forgiveness did not happen overnight, but forgiveness made way for love to overcome the werewolf and the wounded warrior of Y14. He became a pastor. I became a pastor. At my service of ordination, love invited him to sit next to me. There was no more shove over. This time I said, please sit here with me. We are traveling this road together, all because of an unexpected and needed silver bullet of love. An epilogue and a word of thanks to that werewolf of Y14 that now I know as Father Tim. There are hurts of heart as well of mind that weigh too heavy and steal so much time. Like scuffed knees, blisters, and breaks, they make us believe we've no time, no place. The pain is real, this is true, but even in pain, love is too. It runs and flows to every space. It washes the wounds we think we can't face. The water of life, of love, of hope is something on which we always can float. Mending the broken, finding a way. No matter the trouble, love promises to make a way. Thank you, Father Tim, for your generosity of spirit, for your willingness to share this story of our past. And God's blessing be upon you. And may love always lead our way. My name is Tara, and this is Holy Shenanigans. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Unpredictable Spiritual Adventure that is always sacred, but never stuffy. Until next time, may forgiveness make way for werewolves and wounded warriors to lay down their weapons so that the holy shenanigans of forgiveness can lead us to lives of love.